The Spatial Jam, an Esri UK podcast. Don't forget that everything is a story, especially in my world. So many different opportunities now to kind of match your brand uh, with the story map. Even if you don't know what your story is going to be, just start telling it and then you'll work it out. Hi everyone and welcome to the Spatial Jam podcast. Today's episode is about telling your story with GIS. We'll be exploring the different storytelling techniques within GIS and also discussing the journey of story maps from its inception to present day. So be sure to grab yourself a cup of coffee and settle in for the episode. Today, I'm joined by my two co-hosts and very experienced storytellers, Beth and Alistair. Now, Beth, would you even describe yourself as a storyteller? Do we get a badge with that on? Because I quite like that. Um, I guess I, I guess thinking about it, yeah, I do tell stories quite a lot. I use story maps um, all the time. I think it's a really good way of taking a technical story and making it more accessible for a wider audience. So, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that title. Yeah, I'd actually go a step further and say that anybody who works with maps is telling stories. Um, a map always tells a story, and it's a yeah, part of creating a map is understanding what that story is. And one of the things that's exciting about story maps is that you can share so much more of the story than you can fit into a map or even a series of maps. Yeah, no, I think I think that's when I've seen story maps become the most powerful is when you've got you know, a series of different maps that kind of reveal different parts of the story and take you on a bit of a journey. Uh, that's for me is when yeah story maps at its best um but you know nice nice to have two good storytellers on the on the podcast so it'd be interesting to touch on the background of story maps first because i know it's kind of been on a bit of a journey since i think it's released in 2012 was it so it's kind of had almost a 10-year life cycle um is it 2012 it sounds about right certainly they've been around quite a long time and so i'm sure lots of people have uh, already kind of had a go with them but um yeah, they, they've changed quite a bit recently, which is some of what we're here to talk about today, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I think when they first came out, for me anyway, uh, it was one of the first parts of the uh, the ArcGIS system that I found so impressive because I'd seen a map in, you know, using ArcMap and uh, using it at university, but then Story Maps was a completely new uh, area of the platform that I just didn't even know existed. And I think when I first started to choose some of the new templates and kind of play around with Cascade and all of that, that for me was so exciting and the kind of possibility of telling your story in a completely new way um, was you know a massive part of you know what the Esri platform had to offer but it, it's also amazing to see how far they've come from that first time I used Cascade to you know where they are now which is hopefully what we're going to uncover today on on the podcast so I guess the first kind of question I want to pose to you both is you know what has that journey looked like for story maps um, and kind of what's your experience been of it sort of interacting with it through the years I think when they first came out it's interesting that you picked up on Cascade and I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, the original story map templates were much more map centric, um, and I guess almost more like, um, I suppose, a, a web application with a lot of text. Um, yeah. So you could add text, you could add images, you could do all those things that help you to to kind of wrap your maps with that wider story uh, and create something that's that's kind of more informative and also potentially more report like. Um, and you know, for me. As with all of our technology, I, I like using it and I, I kind of get excited about what I can do with it. But it's also great to see what 
uh, what all our customers do with it. And quite quickly, customers were picking up on story maps and using them as a new way to create more dynamic reports, more, um, I suppose, kind of immersive um, map experiences where they can link a series of maps and, and provide that wider context. And so that's been exciting to see. I, I even I even saw it used as a presentation um, at one of our conferences, actually, which I thought was a really uh, unique way of using story maps just to you know deliver something that wasn't just a PowerPoint presentation. I thought that was, that was really good. Yeah, and I think they've even, you know, they, they've recognized that as a, 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 as a kind of useful um tool for format uh, for story maps as well and built some capabilities into that and um, and just again quickly on the uh, I kind of picked upon cascade cascade for me felt like a, a kind of shift in terms of the way in which story maps were, were being created it was a move from something that was more like a web application to something more immersive and more almost more kind of um, web page kind of style you've got that sort of journey downwards and it felt kind of strange to start with but then you know it started to really kind of um pick up on on how much more engaging that was. And um, one of the examples I remember from them was an RSPB one with puffins. And it was yeah, these amazing photos yeah. of um, puffins and the, the landscapes that they live in. But then being able to then kind of move between that and, and the, the kind of map side of things. Um, so you could create some really exciting content. I really love that puffin one. It was a bit of a hit, that wasn't it? I was going to say, I must, I must have demoed that puffin story map about 10 times. It was great. And Beth, for you, like what what has your experience of using story maps through the years been? So I think I probably came into it kind of halfway through its life cycle so far. So I didn't use it in the early days. Um, I think probably Cascade had come in by the time I started using it. And I think for me, it was just like this way of creating a story, it's in the name, um, but being able to create something that looked really good, but without very much effort. And for me, I, you know, I can't build a website. I can't, I don't have the technical knowledge to do things like that, but you can just add different elements in and create this story that looks professional by the end of it. And, you know, with minimal effort. And I think that's for me personally, doing my job is really great, but I could see how that would really benefit customers as well. And, and you do see it, you know, the Puffin story map, we've seen loads of story maps coming out from customers. And I think the most important part is that it's it's spreading GIS and people don't really realize, you know, you can send a story map out within your organization and people don't think they're seeing GIS. They don't even necessarily know what it is, but you're sharing those maps, you're sharing that story and really infiltrating, you know, those non-GIS users. It's not even just, um, you know, within your organization. It's also outside of that as well, um, telling that story without people really realizing what yeah. you're doing. So GIS by infiltration. In terms of the kind of ease of use, we had a great example shared at our Scottish conference a few years ago, and um, it was one of the the councils up here, and they've they embraced story maps. They um, used it for one of the things they used it for was their local plan. So traditionally, that's quite a static document, a PDF, a little bit. Um, I suppose quite a, a kind of meaty document to try and um, get to grips with. And they'd actually created a story map version. So it was a lot easier to follow, more immersive. You could zoom the maps in, they were dynamic. So you could kind of you know, hone in on on your uh, town or village and, and sort of focus the maps around that. But they were also talking about how story maps had taken off within their organization. And one of the examples was, um, I think it was their apprentices had to create reports and they ended up creating a bunch of story maps. They had no maps in them. They were just using it as a web page tool and creating a, a sort of presentation that was um, just because they found it such an easy tool to, to use. So. That's really interesting. Yeah. And that kind of brings us quite nicely into the new era of story maps, because I think traditionally to create a story map, you needed a map at the focus of it. 
Whereas now you can actually build story maps and you, you don't even need to include a, a map when you create it. So I'm, I'm interested to know kind of the, the, we've evolved into these new generation of story maps, but like what, what is the key difference between where we are now and where we were sort of two, two years ago? So, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about the, the kind of the need to choose what style of story map you were creating before. So there were quite, the templates were good, but there was a kind of, I suppose, a rigidity to them. So you were making that choice early on. Cascade gave you some different options, but again, you know, with Cascade, you basically it was you, know, you you chosen a more immersive experience, and that was that was then the path you were on. And for me, the big difference with the new story maps is that that although those templates are still there as a kind of quick way to get started, if you if you know which direction you're going in, you can kind of choose from the beginning. But you also have the option just to start from scratch and to start creating something. That, that kind of includes those different combinations. So, yeah, you can create something that's, uh, I suppose, cascade-like in part, but then have these elements in them that are more like um, the the kind of style of uh, story map that we have had in the other. So, it, it really demonstrates the kind of direction that story maps is moving in, with a, a massive focus on telling the story rather than. You know, designing the map and making sure the map is front and center, it really allows the user to just completely customize, you know, what, what is the audience going to look at? Is it a picture? Is it a video? Is it a map? And, and I think not having a, a compulsory map on every single aspect of the story map makes it, you know, so, so much more powerful. Um, and I think that that for me is, you know, with the new sort of generation of story map as well, I think they've added in a lot more customization with them. Uh, and you can do a lot more with um, sort of editing the fonts, choosing colors and stuff, which we'll touch on in a second. I was going to talk on quickly the JavaScript element of uh, story maps, because I know one of the reasons they're so powerful, obviously you've got the customization of it, but actually they're built uh, using the new JavaScript 4. Um, Alistair, I didn't know if you could touch on little bit on that yeah so um across the uh, cross arcgis has kind of moved to um to, to kind of i suppose start to be able to capitalize on the uh, arcgis api for javascript 4 and that that's kind of showing up with a there's a new map viewer uh, which is now um launched in arcgis online um and so there's new capabilities that come with that in terms of some of the new mapping options and things. And again, with story maps, the new story maps is built on that platform. So it will be able to make use of those um, those new elements. So it will be compatible with um, the maps that are coming through from the new map viewer. And um, so you, if you're working with those new options, they, they should then carry through into your story map. Um, so that's, that's kind of where that Tech, underlying technology splits it. And my mind jumped straight to making a dot density and pulling that into the story <laughs> map, which is uh, one of the nice new features of the map viewer. And I know, Beth, we've had a couple of conversations in the past where we get quite excited about very small updates to story maps, but you can like change the theme color. You can basically anything visual that you can change, we get quite excited about. Um, do. I didn't know if you could just touch on some of the themes in the new story map and how exciting they actually are. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I've, I don't think we can even explain how excited we were when <laughs> you could start to pick your own colors. So the new story map styles, it, it came with uh, default themes, which were were, you know, really nice. Um, they had very different styles to them. So there was something that you could use for, for everything. But we all got quite bored of them quite quickly because we wanted to play around with it. So now you can choose your own colors for all of the different elements of it. So you can have different accent colors, different colors for your titles and things like that. Um, so much flexibility. And I think, you know, tying back to what Alistair said, it's all about flexibility now with your storytelling. 
Um, there is, I guess, a negative side to that in that it can become a little bit overwhelming, especially if you've got a lot of people in your organization making um, different story maps and you can end up with a lot of different styles going on that can be a bit disjointed. So one of the really great things that they've brought in recently is being able to create and share themes. So you can have, for example, like an organization theme. So if you have your um, corporate logo and you want to match the colors to that, uh, you can you know, have your logo in there, you can have your different colors and people can then use that template over and over again to make sure that they're really following what it should look like, especially if you're going to be publishing those out to the public. You don't realize how important uh, matching the brand guidelines is by just choosing a simple color. And, you know, as you say, identifying that hex code is, is so important. Um, I know I had a, an experience on a project where I was building a story map. Um, I spent quite a few days building this story map. It looked great. And it was um, using the Cascade uh, template a couple of years ago. And all the content was there and it was really informative. It was really helpful. And the the ultimate aim for this story map was to be embedded on uh, on the user's website. But because we couldn't fully customize the text color and the text font, uh, it, when you did embed it on the web page, it looked like an Esri story map embedded on uh, a customer's web page. And that, whilst it you know it still is informative, it doesn't quite match the brand guidelines. And you know in this day and age, I think that's such an important aspect for people and our users. Um, so, so we actually ended up not using the story map, which is such a shame, you know, reverting to like PDF documents and links out, which is, again, you get the information, but it's just not as sort of, uh, it's not got the narrative wrapped around it. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm seeing now and one of the latest updates in the new story maps is you can now link out to Google fonts. So typically in story maps, you can choose between, I don't know, five to 10 different fonts. But now because you can access Google fonts, you can uh, basically you have a library of a thousand plus fonts to choose from. Um, which is crazy and so, so many different opportunities now to kind of match your brand uh, with the story map and essentially make it look like a non-Esri product, um, which is the ultimate aim for a lot of our users. So yeah, I think the themes is uh, and the customization of the new story map is sort of the number one priority for me um, is really, really useful. And I think that's part of a kind of sort of a wider trend is, yeah, our technology is there to, to allow organizations to manage and communicate GIS data and maps, but it should be in their way, in the way that's right for them. You know, it's it's not about, um, I suppose, doing it the Esri way. It's about giving them the flexibility and the tools that they can they can make use and share of and share their and communicate their GIS content in the way that's right for them. Yeah. And, and branding is a part of that. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. One other thing that I really love about story maps is collections, because if you have, you know, a set of story maps that have slightly different ideas within them, but they're within the same general theme, you can put them together and then have them in an order that you want people to read them in. So, for example, we've got some training documents that we share internally for people to learn about different um, elements of the system. And you, you, it's a step-by-step -step guide through. So they read the first story map and then they can come back and read the second one, the third one and so on. And you don't just have to put story maps in there as well. You can put media in. So you know, there might be a story map to start with, then there might be a video or a picture or something. And it just goes through the set of items so that people can, can see them all together. And I know our education team use them quite a lot as well to set up you know, learning programs there. It's not all just about learning, though. You can have like sets of projects, um, story maps together and different things like that. Really uh, recommend using them. One of the things that I noticed that was in the latest update is that you can now customize, you can now kind of set a theme for your collection. So themes have, we've got themes in story maps, but we've now also got themes in story map collections as well. Something new for me to try out later on. 
See, we're learning all the time. <laughs> Every day's a school day in our world. <laughs> and I guess one of the other uh, nice new features with the new story maps is the express maps. So it's kind of as an extension of the customization option. Typically, when you want to map in your story map, you have to go and create it in a separate place in ArcGIS Online. Whereas the introduction of these express maps are a way that you can design and create a map within your story map. Um, and I don't know if either of you have used Express Maps much and, and what's your experience of them been like? Are they Express? Are they easy? To be honest, I've not used it that much, but the few times that I have, it, it is really simple and yeah, it is really easy and quick. So I'd say Express Map is, is probably a good name. Um, and I think probably one of the important parts is that you don't have to have a license for any other part of the ArcGIS system now to be able to use Story Maps. So being able to create those Express Maps is really um, a key part of that as well. Because you can add in arrows and uh, sort of really high level annotations to, to yeah. the map, can't you? Yeah, I, I think I used a, a label symbol, an arrow and some text as well. Um, I think we sometimes forget how powerful really simple things can be. Just having some points on a map and you know some arrows and some sketches is it might seem to like a really in-depth GIS user that that's really basic, but sometimes it's all you need. And so it really can help bring that story to life. Um, and we need to not forget how powerful it can be. Sometimes you just want to change the colour of your font and that gets people excited. I'm not sure. <laughs> that gets you excited. Sam. It gets me excited, yeah. <laughs> So I guess we've touched on a lot of the uh, benefits of story maps and sort of uncovered the way you can tell your story through that. Um, I'm interested to kind of talk about other parts of the ArcGIS system and, and ArcGIS Online and how you can tell your story in different ways, because I know there are other opportunities within ArcGIS Online, different apps that you can use. Um, have either of you had experience of, I guess, telling a story through a different way and not using a story map? So I have actually, Sam, I've kind of used a range of the different options. And I think, yeah, going back to what I said at the beginning, even if you're just creating a simple uh, web application that's just showing a map, you're telling a story. So don't you know, don't forget that everything is a story, um, especially in my world. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the other things that, you know, story maps give you so many different options. They are a great way of adding that wider context to a map. Um, the web application builders also give you a, a degree of that. So it depends how far you want to go and what you want the focus to be, um, I think. Or with Experience Builder, you can actually start to create something that's kind of almost a, a hybrid between um, story maps and a more traditional web application. So yeah, Hub is actually a really good tool. That, uh, I've used it a couple of times. Uh, we've got a few different sites that use it. And it is a more in-depth way of telling a story. And I guess it goes a little bit beyond telling a story. Sometimes you can have data sets up there. You can have um, people interacting with things. They can uh, you know, send you messages. They can fill in surveys and different things like that, which obviously you can link to from from story maps, but it's, it's, a, it's a bigger thing. It's a hub for all of those different things that you want them to interact with or view. Um, a really good example of it is um, Esri Inc.'s Racial Equity Hub. They've got stories, um, you know, information, data sets, all different things on there. And it's just a, it's a nice way of bringing together a lot of different elements. And also you retain control over it. So um, it's you can go in there, you can customize just in the same way that we've been talking about with story maps, you know, changing the fonts, the colors, everything like that, putting different elements in where you want them to be. Um, so it's, again, you know, we're keeping that customization, that flexibility, but it just goes a few steps beyond what you can do with a story map. And I guess the other thing, just finally for me, would be don't forget to keep an eye on what changes. Um, you know, I, 
I went back in to check the name of the the map tour and discovered there's a whole uh, extra side to map tours that I hadn't spotted. So they they they're updating it um, really quite regularly, and and yeah, it's just going to get better. Thanks so much for listening to today's storytelling episode. Hopefully you picked up a couple of pointers to try out the next time you're telling your story through GIS. As always, thanks to both Alistair and Beth for their wisdom and storytelling insight. But if you do have any thoughts or feedback on the podcast, please do drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you at podcast at isreuk.com. Otherwise, be sure to subscribe and favorite on your chosen podcast channel because it really does make a difference. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time on the Spatial Jam podcast. The views of the presenters may differ from those of Esri UK. But yeah, that's it. Go sit still. Everybody comfortable.